broadcasting from the Stolen Droids Hangout and discussing everything that has been taking place in the geek world over the past 168 hours. Well, give or take, it's the Stolen Droids Podcast. Hello and welcome to Stolen Droids Podcast, episode number 268. I'm Zoner. I'm Zook, and we are without Schmitty. But he's moving. But we have been without Schmitty for a while, and Colin, uh, I think he was up in Oregon last week for a wedding and died in horrific horrific accident on the way home it was it was really weird he was in the in the lavatory in the plane flushed and got sucked out that blue ice that fell from the sky over southern colin. idaho it was actually colin that was colin Jell- jellified colin i thought we were going to go with something a little bit more interesting like he got trampled by all the single women trying to catch the bouquet like he finally got a girl I don't he got know. all the girls i think it's more fun to get sucked out of a toilet at 30,000 feet, but maybe that's just me. We'll have to ask him which way he prefers to die. (laughs) Hey, uh, we are brought to you by our friends over at KryptonRadio.com, TrekRadio.net, Radio KSCR, um, Geek Factor Radio. Oh, I think I forgot to send the last episode over to Radio KSCR last week. Sorry, everyone. Uh, Eagle Moss Limited, Open Book Audio, Stitcher.com. And by copious amounts of caffeine. WP Cycle, did you say them? I didn't. But you did. There you go. Best WordPress hosts ever. Indeed. And big fans of bicycles. It's been a week. Um, and not a great one. Schmitty is moving right now. Um, I'm moving tomorrow. Uh, Zoner's baby has been born. Yes, we had a baby Monday morning, bright and early. So um, we're all kind of running on fumes, but despite that, you, our dear listeners, have helped us get nominated for the 11th Annual Podcast Awards. Yes. By the time you hear this recording, voting will have opened. And you can vote daily. Daily. So here's what we do. We go to podcastawards.com and we scroll down to the technology area. And we say which show we want to vote for. And you can vote once a day. That is pretty awesome. Yes. And I'm trying to remember when the awards are. Uh, I think they were shooting for sometime in June. End of June, perhaps. Um, Yeah, it's a tentative right now, June 26th. Um, And unlike a previous one, this one's going to be a, a live YouTube stream. Whereas before we used to actually go down to Vegas for it. This one is all being done virtually. So that's kind of cool. It is kind of cool, and I think it's kind of appropriate. And I was looking at some of the competition that we're up against in the in the tech category. There's some good podcasts there. The Audacity Podcast, they've won before. In fact, they beat us one year. Um, Waves of Tech, that's a that's very... Stephen Lee. That's yeah. Stephen Lee's show. It's a really great show. Yep, that's, that's a very good show. Um, and I, I noticed there is no this week in tech. Ah, he's disqualified house because of the, because, because of the, he was, he was last year's winner. Oh. So he's now a legacy one. Yeah. They've changed the rules now. So, um, to make it so you can't just win the awards year after year after year. If I want to say, if you were within the last two years of winning, you are not eligible. Okay, so that would be what the little legacy show down at the bottom is. Shows that were good enough to get nominated, however, and not elig- that are not eligible. Right. That's Inc. awesome. 
Yeah. That's awesome. So, so I think we've got a shot this year, y'all. Um, even if we don't, we are honored to be nominated because it means that you guys think very highly of us, and we do appreciate that. We would like to win eventually, though. That would be nice. So if you could all head over to podcastawards.com, do it daily, set a reminder on your Google Calendar. You can do that now. You can. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so thanks. We got feedback. Ooh, who from? Two people. First one is from Paul. Uh, remember, Paul uh, had talked to us last week about heading over to Hong Kong and Taiwan. Hong Kong's in Taiwan. Um, but heading over to South Korea and then Hong Kong with his new Galaxy, uh, sorry, Nexus 6P. Uh, we talked about that for a bit. He says, thanks for dis- discussing my questions in detail. I can shed some light on the Sony conundrum from a UK perspective. Firstly, I'm a total phone nerd, and because most review content is U.S.-based, I get a decent perspective on the U.S. smartphone market. Sony in the U.K., around the time of the Z3, was gaining great traction. The Z1 just hit after the success of the Samsung S3 and S4. The market edge that Sony has here was that it was a Android flexibility with Apple build quality. The Z2 simply just refined the Z1 and physically was really the same aside from the charging ports. By the time the Z3 hit, the pack had caught up in the build quality area. Then Sony, by the time the Z5 premium hit, decided to split the range and focus on the weakest features. I remember hearing that. That for some reason that they uh, they released it and they said, hey, remember how much you loved this really weak feature no one liked? We really worked on that. The camera... Um, has a load of megapixels, but it also has some of the worst image processing of any phone. The screen uh, says it's in 4K, but no, it's only in 4K when you have 4K content. So now you can be underwhelmed in a whole new dimension of pixel density while destroying your battery life. (laughs) At this point, the build quality slipped backwards and devices started to show that there was a lack of development as the S6 hammered the market. To use Samsung as comparison, the S3 to S6 had radical changes uh, in form and in specification, with the exception of the uh, S3 to S4. Uh, the Z1 to Z5 felt like a series of Z model changes from Apple, or S model changes from Apple. I realize this is too long for the podcast, obviously not, because I just read it, but it's nice to have some people to chat about tech stuff and that don't roll their eyes, even if it does take around seven days before I hear a response. Thanks, Paul. <laughs> yes, thank you. And yeah, a lot of, uh, well, to be honest, Paul, not just their phones, a lot of Sony stuff tends to do that. Uh, they don't seem to break the mold that often. It's kind of like what I said last week. They're in the consumer technology business only out of inertia because they've been in the technology, cons- the consumer technology business for so long. Now, so, is, would that be racist if you weren't Japanese saying that? Mm, no, because Sony Electronics of America is a thing too. Oh, okay. Just checking. Uh, next one is from Nathan. Uh, he says, congratulations goes to Zoner and his family. On a similar note, Google Doola had been hacked upon its immediate inception. Hashtag hack Zoner. <laughs> I actually saw that email come in, but I honestly have been so busy that I have not had a chance to read it. I also got something uh, from Glue uh, sent to SD Files account. Um, talking about a Naga Fireball Mekong light. Uh, it's a phenomenon where these lights and fireballs rise above the Mekong River and then just disappear. Um, since we can't talk about it on SD files, I thought I'd just throw it out there. Thanks, Glue. That's cool. I'm going to have to look into that. Now, I'd never heard of that. With it being Mekong, I, if I'm not mistaken, that's Vietnam, correct? The Mekong Delta is in Vietnam. Is it possible it's just like 
some Viet Cong soldiers that don't know the war's over launching mortars. Just a thought. Uh, possibly. Could be uh, old munitions going off that have been lost in the jungle for years. Indeed. So I'm going to have to look into that, though, because that's kind of cool. But but thanks for that, Glue. And also, um, yeah, Nathan, uh, thank you for that. Uh, it, it's, been a, it's been an interesting week. And by the way, I did get an email from LinkedIn telling me, oh, by the way, you were compromised. You should change your password. So, yep. Just saying. <laughs> Uh, even though, because this is a podcast, you can't actually see either of us. But just so you know, dear listener, Zoner has a serious case of new dad face right now. Where <laughs> I am tired. Yeah, where he, he just suddenly looks 30 years older than his actual age. So I look 70? <laughs> yeah, just in facial structure. It's your same face you had like a week and a half ago. It's just now sagging like a 70-year-old. Yeah, it's just droopy. <laughs> yeah. It's like having a stroke without all the fun of having a stroke. If if no one if you're listening to us and you've never been a new father and I think it's different for mothers than it is for fathers not that it's worse better or worse it's just different but new dads suddenly realize very quickly how they can live with no sleep for weeks on end and it's not pretty well see the interesting thing about it I generally get between five and six hours of sleep a night on a good night. And so I function fairly well with no sleep. But I don't know. There's something about this week. I think it's just the high emotions, the high stress of everything, uh, trying to manage all of my other children while taking care of my wife and doing all the stuff that she would normally do in the house, except pay the bills because I don't want to screw up our checkbook because I suck at math. Uh, (laughs) I paid everything. We have no food and we will starve to death in two weeks, but our bills are taken care of. Yeah, that's kind of how it would be. And my wife would say, why did you do that? Um, Because you told me to. (laughs) But yeah, it's, and so I've been like, I, I'm really, really tired right now, like to the point where my eyes feel like I'm shooting fire out of them, even though I'm not. Uh, although that would be kind of cool if I was. That'd be a very inconvenient mutant power. No, I just remember being the new dad. Uh, yeah, you could run on only three, four hours of sleep if they were three or four continuous hours. My problem was that they were never continuous hours. Yeah, that's that seems to be my problem. I think last night I went to sleep about 11 o'clock, uh, woke up at about one and i don't think i really slept soundly after that because lights were on because babies were being managed and and well we need to stop talking about sleep because it's actually putting me to sleep now i'm exhausted from moving so let's instead talk about europe wow that was kind of rude man (laughs) screw you so so let's just be rude about europe um, no, not not quite rude. Uh, you know how they typically don't like American, American tech? We've talked about this in at length, really. They're about to get a lot more of it in the form of a gigantic 6,600-kilometer 6, cable. Um, it is a joint venture between Facebook and Microsoft, and it's going to be linking North America to Spain. What's the big deal? Well... For one, this is one of the first ones, not the first one, but one of the first ones not done by a telecom company. Typically, these kind of cables are put forth by like AT&T or uh, Sky HD or, or one of the telecom companies. This uh-huh. is instead a technology company and not even like Google. Google has a couple of them, but even more important is the fact that this is the 
I can't say fastest because if you know networking, you know that's not true, but it has the biggest bandwidth. It's going to be providing 160 terabits per second of bandwidth. Wow, that's a lot of internets. Um, l- l- let's see here. You, you, why don't you go ahead and talk about it a bit while I do some quick calculations? Well, I've got 100 meg in my house, and I don't even know what to do with it because... I mean, what I, I'm not a big online gamer, although updating my Steam library only takes a few minutes, and I have a lot of people in my house that like to watch Netflix all at the same time, so there's that going for me. But still, that's a okay. lot of bandwidth. I can't even imagine what you would do with, what was it, 200 terabits? Uh, 160 terabits. Okay, I did the math. Um, a terabit, of course, is uh, uh, one-eighth of a terabyte. Because that's the difference, if you didn't know that. Doing the math, breaking it down, this equates to transferring 1,000 Blu-ray quality 4K movies every second. Wow. Wow. I, I like. I don't even know what to say about that. That's freaking awesome. I'll put another way. Speedtest.com would just laugh at you. <laughs> like, if you tried to... <laughs> Do you think speed test would just like nope out of that? They're like, God, uh, no, it's nope. not happening. <laughs> nope. <laughs> um, really, this is kind of interesting because the companies that are running it, like I said, Facebook and Microsoft, they just need data. They need data faster than they can get at any other method, and it's cheaper for them to run this cable and maintain it than it would be to get some other telecom company to do it and pay them for access. I find that kind of funny. Yeah. Well, I like the fact that it's private uh, entity that's taking care of it, just because, you know me, I, I like private stuff, doing business yeah. stuff. Yeah. Now, uh, the the article goes on to explain that uh, a lot of these companies, especially Facebook, have been buying up a whole bunch of uh, dark fiber. Uh, if you don't know what dark fiber is, chances are good there is fiber optics throughout your residential area or near it or your commercial area that you work at. However, it just hasn't been activated by anyone. A lot of telecom companies went in and put fiber throughout a whole bunch of things, but if no one activates it and maintains it it just sits there unused you know i was actually seeing something about i think it was verizon has done that a lot and they've just kind of abandoned it they, mm-hmm. they got all these government subsidies to go in and and lay fiber and bring fiber to the masses and they've just kind of said nah, forget it we're going to focus on other things instead Yep, yep, um, because usually because it's going to cost too much to overhaul the rest of the infrastructure to make use of the fiber. So it sits there, and it's called dark fiber. Well, that means that other companies like Facebook can buy it up at a fraction of the cost and add to their network. So this could be uh, quite cool. I don't know how, what Facebook is planning to do with it, but I'm all for actually using more fiber. Uh, I'm betting it's not to bring conservative news to the masses. Probably not. See last week's episode. Yes. Um, this has been an ongoing legal battle, but Oracle versus Google. Oracle, of course, uh, the people who completely screwed up Java. There's a, a story behind that. Um, 
They say that Google unfairly used Java in leveraging the Android platform. Uh, Java is a big part of Android. In fact, it's a lot of how it's written and the technology it uses. And that they weren't allowed to. And so they were suing for a stake of Android. Well, it's taken years and many, many, many millions of dollars in legal fees. And a judge has said, nope. Google made use of what's called fair use of the Java APIs. Those APIs are public. Everyone knows them. And see, that's something that I really like to hear because, you know, you always hear, like, people will have their their videos taken down off of YouTube because they have eight seconds of some copyrighted song in it. That's fair use. That would fall under the fair use laws. I love seeing a judge actually cite fair use and saying, hey, this is really a thing and it's okay if people use it. Mm-hmm. Fair use needs to be used a lot more. I think a lot more people need to understand it. Um, in this case, uh, Oracle is vowing to appeal because, of course, they would. Um, I, I got to go on record here. And if people don't understand why, I need to go back a while. Back in the day, Zonner and I used to work together um, at a tech support company. We did tech support for a lot of other companies. So you as a customer couldn't call us up and have us fix things. It, this would be for companies that needing to call their internal help desk. We were that help desk. Okay, So we're talking almost 15 years ago. Ten oh years. Oh, my gosh. About ten years. No, 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 more than ten years. In any case, Java was then owned by a company called Sun Microsystems. Okay, still around. I forgot about that. Yeah, Sun Java. Well, um, at the time, there were two Javas. One was Sun Java, and the other one was Microsoft's Virtual Machine, or VM. Sun Java was screwed up. It never worked. It caused problems left and right. Oh my gosh, the problems that we used to have to deal with were always because of Java. It never worked right. It was awful. It was horrible. Microsoft VM, on the other hand, always worked perfectly. It never failed. It was secure. It never had any problems whatsoever. And nine times out of ten, people loved it. Well, guess who didn't? Sun. And they were being purchased by Oracle at the time, or at least this part of it was. And so they had to protect it. So they sued Microsoft, saying, hey, you're not allowed to make a better version of our product. That's our product. The judge sided with Sun. So Microsoft, instead of paying Sun this exorbitant amount of money, said, fine, we won't do it anymore. And they dropped it. They took it off all their servers. They dropped all support. They dropped all development. I kept it on, I got the copy on a flash drive. And whenever any of my people, Zoner included, needed uh, a copy of Java or VM to fix a customer's problem, I would give them my flash drive and we would send them this pirated version, this dark web version of VM. And for, I want to say, three years afterwards, Java just stopped getting used by anyone because it was never updated. Finally, Oracle started putting development into it again because Android came out. That's the only reason it started to pick up again. I forgot about all that. Wow. I forgot about Microsoft VM and everything. I think I still have a copy of it bouncing around here somewhere. That was a long time ago. And speaking of Java, I got a Java update on my computer and immediately 
I had a page in Google Chrome open up saying, oh, we don't support Java. We've got our own deal. Yeah. I mean, let's be perfectly honest. If you didn't use, if Android wasn't a thing and Minecraft wasn't a thing, Java would be dead by now. Oh, I'm sure it would. Yeah, in fact, I (laughs) I was thinking about that. The only reason I think that I even have Java on my machine is so I can play Minecraft. Mm-hmm. I, I think that that is the only reason. And I thought of that as I was updating it, thinking, why do I keep doing this? Oh, right, Minecraft. Uh, little known secret, uh, if you, if anyone out there within the sound of my voice has Minecraft installed, there is a Microsoft version of Java that comes with the installer that you can remap Minecraft to use instead of your standard Java. It runs twice as fast. Oh, does it? That's good. Oh, yeah. I'll find you the link. Okay, cool. Um, let's go into some Google news. If you have Android, you probably don't get updates. It's a sad, sad fact. (laughs) I'm just, I'm just going to throw that out there. Unless you are on a flagship phone for a major developer, then you'll get one. Or a Nexus. On occasion. Or a Nexus, yes. If you're on a Nexus, you'll get one more regularly. If you're on a flagship phone, you'll get one occasionally. And if you're not one of those two, you probably have never known that your phone can be updated. Yeah, my daughter's actually got a Samsung Galaxy Lite. We got we got a couple of them from my younger kids. And it got one update, I think up to 4.4. And then it was never updated again. Yeah, that's not surprising. Um, well, so Google's sick of that. It causes problems with the ecosystem. It causes problems with Android. It's kind of the same thing with how Microsoft wanted to update everyone to Windows 10 because people who don't update cause problems. Well, companies who don't update Android cause problems. And to that end, they're talking about introducing a new thing where they shame companies by pointing them out to consumers. That's a huge deal. I love that idea. That needs to happen today. It's unbelievably snarky. And from a business standpoint, it's not a good idea, but only between partners. You know what I'm saying? Us as consumers, that's a great idea, but that's that's a great way to burn Burn bridges with partners. They're going to piss people off left and right. But if you're one of these companies over in China that makes that makes Android phones, what's your choice? Well, I mean, okay. So there is a difference, and we we should point that out. Um, there's like those Polaroid tablets you see that use their own branch. It's a custom branch of Android. They're never going to get an update. And frankly, you you don't expect them to. There's the no-name Chinese knockoff phones. They typically are also on their own branch of Android. You're never going to see an update. Yep. It's it's the main ones, the ones who are on the standard branch, the ones that you would expect to be updated that either take forever. My LG G3 took forever to update. Google is going to start pointing that out now. My Nexus 5 three-year-old phone still gets updates every month. Just saying. Well, it's funny. is my <laughs> S7. My S7 is brand new, and I have so far gotten five updates for it. Seriously? That's awesome. Yeah. They, keep, they keep sending updates. Um, on the other side, 
Google is also discontinuing a couple things that no one has ever cared about, evidently. Uh, there is the exceedingly mediocre tablet, the Nexus 9, that was average in every possible way. <laughs> I mean, that's, I think that's about as kind as I can put it. Yeah. It worked so hard to be barely mediocre. See, no, it never really caught on, I think, because of that. Nobody cared. Everybody right. was excited, but once it got out in the wild, nobody cared. Well, I mean, you looked at it, it's like, oh, wow, the Nexus 7. Look at everything they packed into a 7-inch tablet. And for that price, that's amazing. This is an amazing bit of kit. Okay, the Nexus 10, or sure. Okay, yeah, we get it. Larger screen, higher quality screen, better internals. Okay, we got it. Nice. Nexus 9. Worse performance than the 10. Same hardware as the 7. Costs almost as much as the 10. Why are we looking at this again? Yep. Eh, just buy the 10. You know? Yeah. It, it was such an odd choice for them. Yeah, I mean, if you can get the 10, which is a superior device, even with the fact that it's older, if you can get the 10 for the price of the 9, why wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, and then the Nexus Player. Yeah, uh, what was that again? <laughs> yeah. The Nexus player was basically trying to out Roku Roku. Yep. You can't do that, Google. It you know, doesn't work. Google, I mean, they've had luck with their Chromecast, or Cast as it's now called, I believe. But their, yeah, the Google Cast, yeah. their stuff is, for television has just not gone over well. Google has a definite problem in the, t in the, the TV and the television area. Yeah, TV and television. Both of them. You know, yeah, yeah, both vastly different mediums, very different. One is for millennials and the other is for people born in the 30s. Um, but uh, they just they I've said this before with Google. They don't seem to quite understand how normal people use their TVs. Yeah. And we saw this with the Nexus Q. Remember that squid looking thing, the Sentinel from the Matrix? Oh, yeah. Yeah, um, and then we saw it again when Chromecast initially launched. The very first generation of Chromecast, I uh, I put my stake in the ground, and I told Schmidt it was the dumbest thing ever. The way you paired it was dumb. The way you accessed it was dumb. The, what it could access was dumb. And it took them revamping the software twice and the hardware once before I was like, okay, I'll try it. Yeah, I love mine now. But when it first came out, they just could not figure it out. And then there was the Nexus Player, which was a much beefier, much more capable standalone version of a Chromecast, where a Chromecast uses your phone. The the Nexus Player had it all built in. But yeah. I tell you what, when it comes to choosing between my Roku or our Chromecast, we choose the Roku every time. Oh, yeah. I, I go on the road for my job. Allegedly, that's what I'm told anyways. I haven't much yet other than the very cold month of February. But I got a Roku streaming stick instead of a Google Chromecast to take with me. Yeah. Because I like, I just like Roku. What they do, they do well. Yeah. Um, I think Google needs to stop with that. Just stop with that brand of hardware entirely and just focus on integrating its services better with Roku and with every other type of provider. Yeah, yeah, they really do. And, you know, it's... I don't know if I could say this or not, but I'm going to. Uh, as you know, I've got 
experience uh, with beta testing and beta test management. Do you remember the Logitech TV? Mm-hmm, um, I do. Years ago, I, I think it was their initial foray. Was it? I, I can't even remember what it was called, uh, but it was their first go into that whole kind of TV market. I was unaware of this until a couple of years ago, but shortly after that product flopped as hard as it did, Logitech nearly went under. A lot of people aren't aware of this. Uh, a lot of people may have noticed something was up because there was a lot fewer Logitech products out on the market. Uh, they weren't churning things out as quickly and, and as fast a uh, product selection. Well, they partnered on that whole Logitech TV deal with Google. And Google, halfway through, backed out, said, no, this is this is not going to work. We're, we're absolving ourselves of this because this is not a market we want to be in at this point because fail. And it dang near destroyed a very reputable company. And I kind of see Google with their whole TV stuff now just kind of towing that line at this point. It's a sad fact. And I say sad truly sincerely. Microsoft, Apple, and Google don't really know how to handle communal technology. They're very good at personal technology. Each of them in their own way excellent at personal technology. Yes. Each of them have always struggled at communal technology. All you need to do is look at Google Plus to understand what I mean by that. Oh, yeah. You know, or or Microsoft's ability to, or inability to ever make a social network that sticks, or even make a phone ecosystem that sticks. And Apple, I... Look, I'm, this is going to ruffle some Apple feathers. The only thing Apple has going for it when it comes to community or communal technology is the fact that everyone who owns it feels like they belong to a club. Yeah. It doesn't work together well. It only works for you. If you have an iPhone and an iPad and a MacBook Air and now an Apple Watch, those all work well for you specifically. But when you get home, it's not like your iPhone and your wife's iPhone can suddenly integrate with each other and share resources. And when you start to bring in home technology where you're going to watch TV with your wife, with your kids, or your kids are going to watch it themselves, or your wife's going to watch it, you need to be able to have technology like that. And none of the major players know how to do it yet. It's bizarre. Instead, you have Roku, who was custom built for this, or LG with their WebOS TVs, which we saw at CES. They were incredible. So, yeah, there we are. Um, Before we move on out of the whole Google realm, just one thing that I I had a thought of regarding the, the shaming on the update thing. If they were to do this... How beneficial is that to you as a consumer to look and see a list? Oh, this person averages one update for every model of phone they release compared to this company releases an update on average every quarter for every phone that they make for a three-year period of time or a two-year period of time. Obviously, updates shouldn't be endless or infinite, but you know, if you look at that as a consumer... That could very realistically destroy some of these companies. Mm. Maybe 
I think a lot of companies will try and spin it a different way, where Google says, let's say um, Samsung. Samsung is a trusted Android partner. They have a 97% reliability rating when it comes to updates, right? And then there's another company, um, ZTE, just because our next headline is about them, okay? ZTE has like a 30% rating. But ZTE has really great... Um, Updates from their own company, their own updates, not mm-hmm. from Google, not Android updates, uh, updates for their own apps, let's say. So they'll start to spin it in PR terms because it's cheaper to do that than it is to overhaul the way they do whitelist yeah. updates and, and push new updates. Now, all that being said, because I, I use them as a the bad example there, our next headline is about ZTE, and it's pretty good. They have a new phone coming out. It's announced called the Axon 7. Not a horrible name, not a great name, better than some other ones I've seen. It is a 5.5-inch smartphone. It's their flagship. It has 64 gigs of onboard storage. It can take a micro SD card up to another 128 gigs. It has a Snapdragon 820. It has 4 gigs of RAM. It has a 2K screen, so you still get heavy pixel density without losing the battery power. It has a, oh, geez, what was the camera? I saw it. I forgot. 20-megapixel camera, uh, optical image stabilization, a 1.8 f-stop aperture lens for low-level light. It can shoot slow motion at 240 frames a second, or it can do 4K video at 30 frames a second. It has an 8K front shooter. It has a back-mounted fingerprint sensor. And it's pretty nice-looking. Yeah, not bad. Dolby Atmos headphone support as well. Yeah. Now, all that sounds really great. Well, wait a minute. Isn't ZTE one of the cheap brands? Yeah. Yep. This phone is going to retail for 450 bucks. All those features I just listed for you, that's like $650, $700 territory. Yes. This thing just undercut them by at least $200. Now, this could be the phone that finally gets ZTE in the door in the American market. And this is the reason why I said a couple weeks ago that if HTC gets bought by anyone, it's going to be ZTE. Because this thing just came over, curb stomped HTC in their new uh, Model 10, and then stole its candy and its girlfriend. The HTC 10 is a fine-looking phone. It really is. And it has a lot of great features, and it's definitely HTC's attempt to get back in the game. Credit where it's due, it's a fine phone. This one is already a better phone, and it's $200 cheaper. Yeah, I'm kind of hoping that this gets ZTE's foot in the door, like, for a while anyways. And not because I'm a huge ZTE fanboy. Uh, I have actually done beta tests for ZTE, uh, managed them, not beta tested, uh, over the last, or I guess it was a couple years ago that I did, uh, when they were first trying to get into the American market. But I like competition, and I want to see a lot of like high-quality phones like this out there on the market because it's going to drive quality up and prices down. Mm-hmm. And so I really hope that, that this catches on and that people just go nuts for it. And I hope that it's a solid phone. I, I, I honestly do, because 
you know, I, I would hate to see something with those kind of specs come out and just be, you know, a freaking polished turd. And yeah, I, I really hope that this that this does some awesomeness. Now all they need to do is come out with an Android Wear device to uh, go up against Huawei for a dirt cheap. That'd oh, make yeah. me a happy Zook. Um, so there was a really weird um, ad video announcement. No one's really sure that came out from Lenovo. If you need a bit of a refresher, Lenovo now owns Motorola Mobility. And they said that this actually was not a very good purchase on in retrospect. It has not panned out the way that it had hoped. Well, it's been fine for Lenovo. It was horrible when Google bought Motorola Mobility. They lost so much money. Everything was horrible. They sold off all the assets for a loss to Lenovo. Yeah. Everyone's like, well, what's Lenovo going to do with it? Well, they said, hey, don't you remember how great the Moto Razor was? If you need a refresher for that, back when Zoner was asking me for my copy of Microsoft VM, the Moto Razor was the next big thing. It was this razor-thin phone, hence the name. It was a flip phone. And it was one of the first ones that really proved that these phones, they can be pretty tiny now. Yeah, it was, it, a, it was it amazing. Was a sweet phone, I remember. I was never a big fan of it just because it felt really cheap in my hands. But mm-hmm. it, it felt it felt fragile. Yes. It it, it frail. Yeah. <laughs> but it it was a very popular, very beloved phone. Mm-hmm. Well, now they're saying, Hey, wait for June ninth when we get a new razor. And everyone's like, what's anyone going to do with the Razor now? That makes no sense. We've moved past that. Ah, well, it may be the Droid Razor in name only. And yes, Droid Razor, because EV Leaks, who is usually pretty good on these ones, has released some new renders that he says come from it. They're Motorola. They're labeled as Droid, so they'd probably be Verizon, which means Verizon will probably label it themselves. And it could be this phone. I have a link to it in the show notes. They look really nice. They look really nice. Yeah. Um, and if they're razors, they're probably going to be pretty thin. And all that's great. But you know what's really amazing about them? We're, we're, we're talking unbelievably amazing. And I don't have a link here for you, Zoner, so let me give this to you right now well i i'm looking here and i'm i'm seeing the colors you know gold silver bronze i'm hoping rose gold yeah, <laughs> yeah of course i think it's just regular gold oh okay yeah there, there's the black with kind of a a bronze accent to it that one looks pretty smart it does uh, then there's the silver titanium then there's gold but um this thing is supposed to work with Motorola's new mates, as they call them, the Motorola mates or Moto Mods. I just sent you a, a, a link there. Yeah, there's three of them. It's from a tweet from Evan Blass, who is EV Leaks. Yes, uh, they're smart backs that snap onto the back of the phone. The first one is a projector. The second one is JBL speakers, and the third one is a Hasselblad camera. This is what LG should have done with those stupid friend modules for the G5. This, if this is true, and like we said, he's pretty reliable. 
this is amazing. This could change things. Oh, totally. If if you can start adding, I, I can't even think of the word, um, but adding stuff to your phone like this, I mean, that's, that's freaking awesome. Yeah. I would like to see one that adds extra battery capacity and an increased um, antenna so you have better reception. So p- perhaps when you have to travel a little bit further from grid, you can still pull reception. Where was that? Like El Paso? Well, maybe. But you had no cell phone? I'm on T-Mobile. It's it's a lot of... I'm, I'm not going to lie. It's a lot of places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's th- those are cool. You start throwing those out there, I think... Yeah. 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 Um, let, let's move on to some Apple. When Google talked last week about their Google Home and their Google Assistant... We knew Apple was going to announce something. Because innovative. Well, how can they ignore it at this point? You know, the Amazon Echo is such a big deal that Google is now developing a whole new line of products just to combat it. That's not something that Apple can let lie. So they are coming out, rumored anyway, to be bringing a competitor in place in the Apple TV. This is smart for two reasons. Can I just say something real quick about the Amazon Echo? I am completely surprised that this has taken off the way that it has and that it's as successful as it is being their first attempt at this type of a product. Well, I I had to admit uh, a few months ago that I was completely wrong when they very first announced the Echo, right, when it was the Alexa. Yes, it was sounding like it was going to be the stupidest idea ever because I remember they originally built it as a way to buy things where you could say, hey, Alexa, I need to buy more paper towels. Yeah. And and all all the Echo could do at the time was search Amazon products. And it was like, that's stupid. Why would I spend $300 on a piece of hardware that can only help me browse Amazon? I can do that just fine on my phone, thanks. Yeah, exactly. But And... The, yeah, I'm right there with you. We were wrong. We admit it. We were wrong. Okay, your two your two things. Okay, two things. First off, this is smart because a lot of people already have, well, a lot of Apple people already have Amazon TVs. So instead of making them get a new piece of hardware that now has to integrate with their home network, just replace the Apple TV with it. Most people are traditionally buy their TV anyway. It's not a bad idea. Yeah. Two... If you want this technology, hey, why not start using Apple TV too? It's kind of a it's kind of a smart way to piggyback one service onto another. Right? I, I and, like the integration idea. And and yeah. it's got me thinking could Roku do this? Yeah, right. Here's the problem I have with it. Apple TV is of the three main tech giants between Apple and Google and Microsoft, Apple TVs is probably the most mature TV platform, mainly because they have the iTunes store behind it and because they've had many iterations of the Apple TV, right? You can now do games, you can uh, watch TV shows, you can do all sorts of different stuff, and it is the most friendly across multiple users. That being said, I'm not really sure how good Apple's going to be able to take a Siri-like approach and work it to multiple users or even multiple rooms. 
you know? So what's going to happen now? We now have the Echo Dot, remember, where you can take and make anything Amazon Echo-based across the entire home. Well, and it's like you were saying a few minutes ago, Apple is really good at the individual device. How well are they going to be able to adapt? You know, I love the idea of Siri, period. I, I love the idea of Siri. I love the idea of Google Now. I don't know that Google Now or Siri is going to work really well when my six-year-old starts telling it what to do. You know? And so it's it's tailored for me. I imagine there's got to be a lot of code that goes into those algorithms uh, so that it will function for multiple voices, multiple speech patterns. And Google Now just pulled up on my phone when I said that. That's awesome. um anyway i'm excited to see what they try and bring out i worry that they're going to try and bring something out too soon half-baked all just to compete yeah all the apple maps Hmm. um let's skip the next one and let's move into some hilarious news it came out this week that a uh an apple executive had really pushed for a new merger. They wanted Apple to purchase another company. Well, that's not new. That happens all the time, right? The company who built Siri was originally a company called Siri. You know, yeah. Apple bought them. You know, so, um, okay, so what was the company? Oh, it was Time Warner. Um, from a business standpoint, this makes sense. See, Time Warner owns HBO, CNN, Warner Brothers. Um, you know, they have they create a lot of content. And if Apple were to own that, well, boom, built-in content for the Apple TV, which I just mentioned, right? Being able to produce that content on your own gives you a real foot in the door for that multimedia. The downside is it's Time Warner. Time Warner is one of the worst companies out there. It's so easy to hate Time Warner Cable. It's passe now to hate Time Warner Cable. You are a Apple-loving hipster. You, by default, hate Time Warner Cable. Well, they also own DC Comics. And, you know, you stop and you think, okay, yeah, forget about all the TV shows, all the movies, you know, all the news, all that stuff. They've also got an in with one of the largest comic publishers in that case. Could you just imagine iTunes? Their comic section would be like Batman everything, Superman everything. Uh, imagine what that would have done or could possibly do to the to the the retail war, so to speak, between DC and Marvel. It would have been huge overall. From a retail standpoint, it would have been a huge shakeup. But I kind of jokingly want to know what would have happened to all those Time Warner hating hipsters when their beloved Apple suddenly was the enemy. It would be like dividing by zero, I think. It's like, it's to me kind of like how real jocks have problems with the fact that Disney owns ESPN. You know, it's like they want to love their ESPN. They want to love their uh, all their different shows. I just love watching classic, the same old games over and over again. You know, it's owned by the company that runs Elsa and Anna, right? Well, yeah, I, I just don't think about that. <laughs> ESPN Sports Center brought to you by the makers of Hannah Montana. 
They made her. They did. They, they are to blame. That's on Disney right there. And Marvel now. Yeah. And Star Wars. But see, Hannah Montana came before the Marvel and Star Wars stuff. So <laughs> obviously Disney was making bad decisions at that point. Yeah. Um, okay, so quick news. It's bad news, but it's quick. Foxconn had to cut some jobs. And when I say some, I mean uh, 60,000. That's a few. Um, and it's not because they're closing plants. It's because they're moving it over to automation. A.K.A. And robots. See, this is really smart. Because robots can't climb onto roofs to throw themselves off. Well, they can, but they can be programmed not to. However... When they become sentient and decide to do it anyways, they're going to need some stronger nets because robots weigh more than people because metal. Right. Yeah, I wonder if they've upgraded their nets yet. (laughs) That's a kind of terrifying thought. I hope they have. (laughs) That is insane to me. I mean, this plant that they cut the jobs, you think, oh, 60,000 jobs. That's insane. They got 110,000 people working in this facility. Probably on top of each other. Yeah. Well, not anymore, I guess. But they did no. have 110,000. Now they just have like a layer of robots on top of the people. Um, okay. So here's an odd one. People get pulled over all the time. People get pulled over by city cops, by highway patrol, by state troopers. People get pulled over by security guards on private property or rangers on national parkland. One guy got his car hit by the FCC, which has to be a first. Yeah. So there's a Chinese company um, that makes this type of illegal cell phone jammer. I'm not entirely sure what uh, makes it illegal, but it is. They've been working on going after this company for a long time, and they finally have formalized their charges. They're going to be suing them uh, or fining them for $34.9 million. I don't know if they're going to get that money. It's a Chinese company, and the FTC, or sorry, FCC is, of course, limited to the U.S. But there's a Florida man who was using it in his car. So as he drove along, the jammer would jam all cell phone signals all around him illegally. And he did this for up to two years. They're fining him $48,000. Now, on one hand, I'd like to think that he was just really tired of people almost hitting him with their, with their cars because they were too busy on their phone. And so he felt this was the best way to do it. But on the other side... That's uh, that's a bad thing. People need their phones for a lot of different things. Yes, that's true. And, you know, policemen and sheriff's deputies also need their two-way radios. Yes. And, and the jammer happens to block those signals as well. Oh, and, and GPS. And GPS, yeah. yeah. I mean, so... I mean, it's, it's straight-up illegal for anybody other than law enforcement to use cell jammers. Uh... And the guy, I guess, said, well, I didn't want people talking on their phones and being distracted. How distracted are you when you're driving and you've got your GPS up and all of a sudden you lose your GPS signal? And you're trying to figure out what the crap just happened and why you can't figure out where you need to turn next because you have no signal. Mm -hmm. That seems a lot more dangerous to me. 
Or, you know, you got in an accident and you're trying to call emergency services. Oh. oh, and you can't. And you have no idea why. Well, it's because this jerk has been rubbernecking up along the side of this road looking at your accident that you're in is blocking you. Oh, that's brutal. I didn't even think of that. Yep. Um, we got a couple of quick stories here. Uh, first one, uh, IGN evidently doesn't know how to write a headline because they wrote one that was the most confusing ever. It says, report new Xbox four X as powerful as current model. First thought, why'd they get another Xbox and name it the four X? That's a stupid name. Second thing, why are they announcing a new model that's as powerful as the current model. Why on earth would I buy a new one that's just as powerful as the current one? Oh, they mean the new Xbox is four times as powerful as the current model. Then just freaking say that. That does ask raise the question, if the Xbox One is supposed to last 10 years, why are they releasing a new model? That is a good question. They're going to supposedly release two. One has new electronics, slimmer, uses less power. That's great. The other one is going to uh, be around six teraflops of processing power. They've redone the processor. Otherwise, I'm going to just keep mine. Yeah. Um, Elon Musk's Hyperloop, which we've talked about a bit, um, those super fast trains they're currently working on, are going to have a new material that the pods are made out of. It's called vibranium. Better than unobtainium. If anyone doesn't know or hasn't watched a Marvel movie ever, vibranium is what Captain America's shield is made out of. It's what uh, Ultron made a few of his robots out of. It's what Black Panther's suit is made out of. Vibranium is a fictional material in the Marvel Universe that's supposedly as strong as adamantium. Which is also a fictional metal in the Marvel universe. Um, so that's cool, I guess. So does that mean that the hyperloop is fictional? Hopefully not. <laughs> I mean, Hey, if they're using fictional elements to create it, I'm, this could be the best vaporware we've ever seen. <laughs> if it's also running with the zero point module, They've got my money. Um, and finally, a new study has come out saying kind of what we already knew. It's from the Pew Research. It says 62% of people get their news from social media, not news sources. Um, most most often used one is Facebook. I've written an article about this in the past, um, unfortunately titled Bill Cosby Does Not Agree With You. Uh, this was before all the uh, rape allegations came out. But... In it, I talk about how people keep quoting news sources on Facebook without ever researching themselves. The problem I see with this is that if 62% of adults are using Facebook as their news source, what they're actually saying is 62% of Americans see something posted from a friend on Facebook, figure it must be 100% accurate, and share it along. Yeah. I love it. And that one article that you posted talking about Bill Cosby saying I'm 83 years old and tired of blah 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 or whatever that's so wonderful because the the whole thing is just flawed first of all he's not 83 I mean and it just goes on and on and that's kind of how I see social media with news in fact that's how I see news period 
I, I go to the gym and they have a wall of TVs and I'm there either on the treadmill or the elliptical sweating my fat butt and the news will come on because it's that time of day and I like the other day Good Morning America their lead story the results of Dancing with the Stars and you know the day that Prince died every network that's all they talked about was Prince is dead let's see what people on Twitter are saying no let's not what about all the other stuff news is no longer news Mm -hmm. I remember years ago one of my friends jokingly well he didn't jokingly say it but I turned it into a joke he called Entertainment Tonight the news. He said, oh, I'm going to go home and watch the news. It was Entertainment Tonight. And I, I joked about that for years with him. But that's all it is now. It's, all, it's, it's a joke. The news is a joke. And if people are pulling it all from Facebook, who got busted last week as we talked about manipulating what people are seeing, I mean, that's just that's garbage. It's garbage. People need to do their homework. Mm-hmm. Um, though, at the same time, it's that lax in journalism that now makes us qualified as news. Yeah, that is true. So thanks for that. I guess. <laughs> All right. Into our favorites this week. Mine comes from Cracked. Cracked has a web series called After Hours, where four of their writers slash editors go to a diner, and they discuss a topic at hand. It's staged. It's not ad-libbed, but they're always hilarious. And the new one talks about the X-Men in a way that I had never really considered. Uh, Namely, how do you know that you're actually choosing to fight for the X-Men when the X-Men is run by the world's strongest telepath capable of brainwashing anyone? That's a good point. So, wait, you're telling me that this super powerful brainwasher will take all these powerful disaffected youths into his compound, teach them with an education taught by his senior soldiers, arm them, train them and put them into his fighting ranks. That sounds a bit like a cult. Yeah. So it's, it's a fun video. You should check it out. Uh, just be prepared. Rabbit hole uh, warning. You go to cracked. You're never coming out. Just saying. So block out like the next six hours before you go watch it. Um, My favorite this week is actually kind of different. Uh, The Force Awakens soundtrack, not so different. I'm Star Wars nerd. That's that's an established fact. It's a great soundtrack. Uh, But they've got a vinyl version. So for those of you who aren't hipsters or young, that's what record or that's what albums used to come on. We called them records back in the day. And the the cool thing about this though is they're etched with holograms on one side there is the millennium falcon the other side is a tie fighter and so as you're spinning it on your turntable record player if you've got the viewing angle just right you can see this ship floating above above the actual record itself and being all sorts of awesome So if you are one of those people that likes to collect cool things like this, or if you're one of those people that says uh, vinyl sounds better than CDs because they like the pops and the cracks and all the other stuff. It uh, does, by the way. This is something you might want to check out. Yeah, this is just super cool. I want everything to be a hologram now. Yeah, it's witchcraft. 
that is our show this week. Again, head on over to Podcast Awards. Uh, dot com vote for us vote for us daily also check out their kickstarter they could definitely use your help making sure that the podcast awards continue can continue past this year um do your part we did ours you know you love us you do your part no just vote um also make sure you write us feedback at stolendroids.com or give us a call 801-917-GEEK and until next time cheers Good day. this has been a stolen droids media production